everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Yes Men. I, as always, am Lou DiPietro. To my left, my co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Doug Williams. One of these days, I'm just going to sit to your right and throw everyone off. Well, see, next to me is the wall, so wait a minute. We're giving too much away. We're breaking the fourth wall here, aren't we? This, By the way, we shoot in a beautiful mahogany studio. Mm, very many leather-bound <laughs> books. The apartment smells, smells of rich, rich mahogany. mahogany. That might be the first movie quote you and I have ever kind of gone in sync with. Usually you have no idea what I'm talking about and vice versa. Yeah, what do we do now? I, I don't know. Should we embrace? No. Something. No. Nah. Let's, let's, let's talk about baseball. How sure, about we do sure, that? Sure, so, sure, yeah, 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 that yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. It is the World Series upon us, depending on when you're listening to this. Game one is on the way, in progress, or over. Game two is in some state there, thereof. Can't wait to watch the uh, Tigers and the Dodgers play for the World Series title. To you on that one. I uh, I think I was right. I called it. Red you Sox are, cards. You were, I'll admit it, you were right. I was hopeful. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to take too much credit in Glow, only because when it, we made that prediction weeks ago, I really had no idea and thought anyone could win. So I just went with, when in doubt, I went chalk, man. I went the two best teams, the Cardinals and the Red Sox. They were the best teams. They've been the best teams all year. Why wouldn't they be the best teams in a sprint? And they've proved me right. And now we have four to seven games to see which of those is the best of the best champion and who walks away with the trophy. At least baseball's on because we've had a few days of non-baseball. It's been a little sad. I had to resort to watching a movie last night. I actually watched wrestling on Monday night because I didn't want to watch the oh, God. the football game masquerading as a national spotlight between the Giants and the Vikings. Uh, so you, did, you didn't watch the Giants-Vikings. You watched a predetermined outcome with no, sweaty I, men I, I didn't, I didn't watch Josh Freeman attempt to play quarterback for another team. No, I didn't watch any of that. For another team. Yeah. Well, he attempted to play quarterback for the Bucks for several years, and now there he was in purple looking the same. Someday, maybe he'll make that leap to the talent he showed for that half a season in 2010. Hey, man, he doesn't know the offense yet. Give him a break. Well, I should I should do that, too, because apparently he has some concussion symptoms, may have gotten a concussion. So it looks like Matt Castle, or I'm sorry, Christian Ponder is going to be back to bat around back to the top of the quarterback order over there in Minnesota. But but anyway, this is a baseball theme, so we'll, we'll save that for a later date. And we've been teasing a special guest on Twitter and on the website and you know what? Let's just not wait any longer. Let's get him on the horn. I can't, I can't wait any longer. It is none other than Yes Network's own Jack Curry. Jack, welcome to the Yes Men podcast with uh, myself, Lou DiPietro, and Doug Williams. You know, don't I usually run into you guys in the hallway, and now we've got to do this by phone? If there was baseball being played, I would, I would see you in Stanford and then the studio, but now we're going to have to do this by telephone. I know. It feels so distant. I really wish we were still covering baseball here uh, with our Yankees uh, in October like we normally are, don't you? I wish that the Yankees were playing in October because it makes our life more interesting. No doubt about it. Um, having covered the Yankees for over 20 years, I'm always used to being busy in October, and I'm tired of people saying to me, so what do you do now that the Yankees aren't in the playoffs? I'm tired of that question. There's, I think there's still things to be done. There's still work to be done, including what we're doing right here. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a question that all Yes Network employees are, are kind of used to at this point. Um, so in terms of the off season, which I guess – has started uh technically the fact that the yankees season is over and now they're watching uh, the cardinals and the red sox play in the world series we keep hearing reports of big name offensive guys brian mccann carlos beltran uh chew do you think that this is going to be an old school 
Yankees offseason, a, a big spender that would put a team on the field next year? You know what, Doug? I think when you look at the offseason, we have to take a step back and say, okay, what, what kind of needs do the Yankees have? And when I spoke to Joe Girardi a couple of weeks ago, he said, listen, we have a lot of places that we have to fill. We have a lot of holes that we have to fill. You mentioned some of those players right now who would definitely be appealing to the Yankees. I look at a guy like McCann, and you look at the season that he has had this season and what he could mean to the Yankees. And quite honestly, you look at what the Yankees got out of their catchers last year. They needed improvement. They missed Russell Martin. I thought after not signing Martin, in the last free agent class, I thought that was the one that was going to come back to bite the Yankees more than any. So a guy like McCann, very interesting. I think Chu is very, very interesting because the Yankees want to get back to some of what they used to do in terms of just beating up on pitchers a little more. And the thing that stands out for Chu that they love is the on-base percentage, guys, a 423 on-base percentage. So those are names that we're going to hear I do think that the Yankees have already said they have to be active. They need to be active. They know there are a lot of holes to fill. We haven't even mentioned a Robinson Cano yet, who we know that they're going to try and make every effort to sign. So I don't want to classify it yet as this is going to be the same type of offseason as X, but I will say this. I think it's going to be very active, and I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason in its own way because there's a lot of work for the front office to do. They don't want to have happened in 2014, what happened in 2013. So it's their job to figure out a way to fill those holes and turn things around. You mentioned Cano, Jack. It's, he's obviously the, the big prize of the Yankees' internal free agent class. But there's two guys in Curtis Granderson and Hiroki Kuroda that are kind of a, a, a polarizing subject to many. A lot of people are wondering whether or not Granderson will come back, whether he'll accept a qualifying offer to come back after this, this past year being uh, – besieged by injuries. And then there's Kuroda, who got a little tired down the stretch, but he was a workhorse, and ace for a year and a half. He's getting up there in age. Maybe he goes back to Japan. What do you see from those two guys? Will the Yankees re-sign one, both, neither? And if not, where do you think maybe they might be a fit? It's a great question, and you're right. We do tend to focus on Cano, but there are other players and other pieces that are out there. I think the best news for the Yankees would be if Curtis Granderson would accept a qualifying offer. And I'm not sure he's going to do that. He had injuries in 2013, but this is a guy who in 2011 and 2012 hit more home runs than anyone in baseball. If that's not worth a multi-year deal from someone, I'd be shocked. These weren't injuries that showed that this guy was wearing out. They were kind of freak injuries, getting hit by pitches and stuff like that. So I do think there's going to be a multi-year offer, a good one, out there for Granderson from someone. So I'm not sure he accepts a qualifying offer. Kuroda is an interesting case for me because in July or August, I would have championed the Yankees to sign that guy right then and there. That's how much of an ace he had pitched like. But when you have a guy at that age and for two straight years, he has worn down at the end of the contract, I think, or the end of the season, I think you have to take a long, hard look at that as to how much this guy is worth to you. And if you do bring him back, guys, I think it's a Joe Girardi, Larry Rothschild decision that you've got to figure out a way that this guy doesn't peter out on you again in August. Maybe it's a, a situation where he misses a start here or there. I was talking with David Cohn recently just about pitching in general, and he advocates giving your starters a couple of days off, maybe having a six-man rotation every once in a while so that those guys that you need at the end aren't as tired as we saw 
what Corona has been in the last two years. Yeah, that segues well into what I was going to ask you next, actually, Jack. And, and if you want to put a six-man rotation on the field, you need six arms, and one of them would be potentially Michael Pineda, who has been kind of a mystery, especially last season. He was in the minor leagues for the entirety of the year, and then the shoulder injury came back. Would you consider him one of the more important Yankees next year, considering he might be a three- or four-starter on this team if he can stay healthy? No doubt about it, Doug. When I look at spring training of next season, and we don't know who's going to be there for the Yankees. Will Cano be there? Will, will Chu be there? Will McCann be there? Whoever is there, we know Pineda is going to be one of them, and I think he looms as one of the more interesting guys the Yankees will have in spring training because all the things that you just said, there is a little bit of a mysteriousness to it because, yes, he pitched in the minor leagues. Cashman said at the end of the season that he ended the season healthy. So you go into 2014 saying, okay, what can this guy give you? And if the Yankees can get him on the field and he is healthy and he can pitch to some semblance of what he had pitched in Seattle, especially the way that he started out, he is a guy that you could think is a, is a two or a three, maybe even if you say he's a four, but he'd be a young addition. He's a guy you can get some innings out of. So I do think that they go into spring training with high hopes and high expectations for him. But I think you have to temper it until he actually goes out there and does it, until he has a full spring training, until you're able to say, yes, this guy is back. The velocity is there on the fastball. I mean, my, most of my uh, watching of Pineda came in that first spring training. And this was a guy who he was really down because he couldn't throw the fastball that he had been throwing and the velocity wasn't there. Well, he was hurt. We now know why. I think he needs to show himself that that velocity is there, it's back, that he can be an elite major league pitcher. Switching gears a little bit, Jack, one of the guys you mentioned in the in the earlier conversation was Carlos Beltran, who obviously would he be a fit for the Yankees. Right now he's in the World Series for the first time in his career with the Cardinals, and we have a Cardinals-Red Sox World Series that has, for the first time in quite a long time, the teams with the two best records in each league. What do you see from this World Series? To me, it's it seems like a World Series that could go seven games, but no one should realistically be surprised if somebody is up 3-0 come the weekend looking for a sweep just because both teams have the ability to kind of go there and, and do that and just win three straight games against a really good team. I, I agree with you, Lou, on a lot of fronts. I do think it's very evenly matched. I like the fact that the teams with the best records got to the World Series. I was just talking to a friend about that the other day. There's something that feels right about that, and it doesn't happen all the time. And sometimes you'll get a wild-card team that, that gets in there, and that's fine too. But I look at this as teams who – and I don't want to break it down this simply, but to me I look at the Red Sox lineup and their offense and what they can do to pitchers. That looms as their strength for me. Well, meanwhile, I look at what some of the Cardinals pitchers, mainly Wainwright and Waka, have done, and I'm thinking, like you just said, man, this thing could be 2-0. If those guys come in and, and shut out the Red Sox at Fenway and figure out a way to control those bats, which they very easily could do, you say to yourself, wow, they're heading back to St. Louis up 2 to nothing." But I also wouldn't be shocked if the Red Sox, because they're smart and they're deep and they have a lot of talent, figure out a way to get to these pitchers. I'm looking forward to this World Series a lot because of that very reason. I do think it's evenly matched, and I, I will disagree with you. I, I don't see a sweep. I mean, I don't even see five games. I think, this, I think this series is going deep. I think that these teams will trade punches, and I think it's going to be a six- or seven-game series. Yeah, it's one of those series that baseball fans who aren't excited about it are in the wrong because it's definitely the two best teams, and I think that 
it's going to be fun to watch. And, and even Yankee fans who are upset as can be that their team isn't in it in October have to pay attention if you're a baseball fan. But is there a, a player on each team, Jack, that you're most excited to watch? And as a fan, we should be most excited to see. Well, when you look at the Cardinals, you always look at Yadier Molina. And I had the chance to go to Puerto Rico several years ago when I was still at the Times, and I wrote a story about the Molina brothers. And I I got mostly escorted and chauffeured around by Jose, and I got to see the field where these guys grew up on. And, guys, it just shows you sometimes how things in life you don't have total control over. Now, these three brothers, Benji, Yadi, and Jose, they were obviously great players, and they made it to the major leagues, and they got there because of their talent. But they grew up in a house that was about 50 feet away from a baseball field. I mean, they opened their eyes in the morning in their bedroom, looked out the window, and there was the baseball field. And I, that has a lot to do with where these guys ended up. And I also think the fact that the younger brother, the one who was always trying to keep up with his older brothers, has turned out to be the best, and not just the best, but the best by far. I mean, this guy is the best catcher in baseball right now. He may go down as one of the top, I don't know, seven or ten catchers in Major League history. So when I look at the Cardinals, the guy that really stands out for me is Molina. When I look at the Red Sox, it's, I'm going to go to the pitching side. It's Uihara because I love the fact that a guy who doesn't come in and throw 97 can make batters look sick. He obviously <laughs> deceives them. He hides the ball well. His splitter is nasty. And for him to have come in and been the third choice as a closer, and only because the other two guys got injured, and to rack up the numbers that he has, I think watching him and his personality and what he's been able to do, he's the guy on the Red Sox side that I'll keep an eye on. It seems that both teams have closers, you know, that – are kind of the second, third, fourth options in some cases. And it almost makes Yankees fans, I I think, appreciate what Mariano Rivera has done, especially in the postseason over the years, that he was that key element. And these guys, like you said, are the third choice for Uihara, but will he crack under the pressure? He's a veteran, so it's it's probable that he's kind of ready. You know what else I think it makes us appreciate as fans, too, Lou, is, yes, Yankee fans and Yankees, from Girardi to Torrey to anyone else who – has cheered for this team to win. They've been spoiled with Mariano Rivera. But I think what we're seeing now, too, is that while it's very, very difficult to be a closer and Mariano was the best ever, you can find guys to do the job. We, we've, we saw that with the Giants and, and Sergio Romo when, when he had to fill in. We saw that with the Cardinals a few years back and with Mott. And I think we're seeing it now with Rosenthal. You get a guy who can throw hard, who's, who's around the plate, and who basically doesn't let that job and those innings take hold of him and become bigger than him, I think you can find these guys. I'm not saying that it's like walk into a tryout camp and boom, here's your closer. But the guys who run these teams and the executives who run these teams, that's their job, to, to, to target a guy who, if you have an injury or you have a couple of injuries, who, who's the guy that you go to? And Rosenthal, as you said, Lou, he's been terrific for the Cardinals. I still go back to Uihara, and I give him the edge in that department, but it's not as if it's a huge edge. I mean, the Cardinals, they like their bullpen a lot, too. All right, so the Red Sox have the edge in the closing department. Jack, i got to ask, who do you have, the Birds or the Beards, and, and how many games? The Birds or the Beards. You know, I heard that on the radio this morning, and I was, I was going to give the uh, the radio announcer credit, and then, then I realized I think ESPN had that up on its front yeah, page, I can't, too. I, can't I, take I don't know who's taking it. credit it's for that, but it's pretty cool. 
I'm tired of the beards, by the way. Um, I think we all are. I'm going Red Sox in seven. I, I think the, uh, the home field advantage is going to help them. And as good as the Cardinals pitchers have been, and maybe, guys, it's because we see the Red Sox so often and see what they can do to pitchers, I just don't see them being neutralized and shut down. And I know the quick counter will be, well, the Tigers starters, they were, they were shutting them down. Yeah, they were. And even though they did and, and, and had them down and seemed to me like they almost had them smothered and in a submission hold, the Red Sox came back. And, yes, a lot of it was against the Tigers' bullpen, but they still figured out a way to come back against the Tigers, and that's why I'm giving the Red Sox the edge. Well, what about you guys? What, have you made your picks yet? Lou has the Sox winning in seven, just like you, and I have the Cards winning in seven. Gotcha. All right. Well, Whoever uh, whoever wins has to treat the other person to uh, whatever we have in the supply closet on that day. Maybe a granola bar or a bag of pretzels or something. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include you in then that one then, Jack, too, so that way I can split my uh, losses if Doug wins. But Does we can split our granola you, bar if we win. I have win. to get you both granola bars? Because that doesn't seem fair because then one of you has to get one. You know, like the, This is double trouble for me. I would throw, I'm not throwing a can of ginger ale. We'll wow, this is just see setting how the, how me the, deep. How the series goes. Well, Jack, as always, we thank you very much for your insight on the Yankees and on the World Series. And, you know, we hope that we talk to you a little bit more via phone this offseason and then maybe next year live in studio for an episode of the Yes Men. You always know where to find me, guys. I had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks Jack. Jack. And that is Yes Network's own Jack Curry, one of the one of the best in the game. And I don't just say that because we're on the same payroll. I say that because you you heard him for 15 minutes. Jack is one of the most thorough with everything in the game, and uh, we we'd love to have him on in the future. Yeah, he's uh, the time just goes by like that. And every every time you think he's going to make the perfect point, he does. Absolutely. That's the, the, like, I keep thinking, like, is he going to bring up choose on base percentage? Because I read about that earlier today. <laughs> I would not be smart enough just to bring that off of the top of my head, but that's the kind of guy Jack Curry and is. And that's what makes him one of the best in the game. And, you know, he, he gave our uh, his prediction. We gave ours. I have the socks in seven. Mm-hmm. Doug has the, the cards in seven. Doug hates the beards. I also think the beards are a little extreme, but I just think that even with David Ortiz having to play first base, for one to three games, losing Napoli, all that offensive thing, it's that's where the Red Sox are going to need to go get it done, and I think they can do it. Ortiz did play first base a few times this year in interleague yeah. play, so they just got to go get her done. Yeah, I don't think he's as terrible at first base as maybe we think he is, just because he played it for a lot of his career. He, he's not like a Jim Tomey. Uh, obviously, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. Adam Dunn, a Frank perhaps? Thomas, yeah, uh, you know, laundry list of guys there. Edgar Martinez. I could do this all day. Uh, anyway, I, I tend to agree with you that I think the Red Sox have an opportunity here to win. I think that they technically have the the spirit right now. They have the winning vibe over the Cardinals, even though they both are coming off series wins. Whose was more memorable? Yeah, easily the Sox. There. Yeah, the, the they, Dodgers kind of wilted in the in the in the heat there at the they end. They had the Victorino home run. The Dodgers ended up losing in a laugh or eight nothing. I mean, the Cardinals can pretend to celebrate like they're shocked in the ninth inning, but in reality, I think they knew they were going to win from the second inning. In a game where they beat possibly the best pitcher in baseball, and at the very least, the best pitcher in baseball, not named Max. Right, and I'm not saying like that. That's not something to be proud of, and and that they don't have momentum. They certainly do. Uh, I just I think the Red Sox have a ton of momentum. That being said. I do think that the Cardinals will end up uh, hoisting the World Series Cup. As, uh, <laughs> the World Menino Series said. Cup. That yeah. is just so embarrassing. No New York mayor would ever do that because we're so used to having them. 
well, yeah, Mayor Bloomberg kind of knows the difference between the World Series trophy and the Stanley Cup and the, uh, well, not so much the NBA trophy yet. But it's coming soon, hopefully, courtesy of the Brooklyn Nets. Cheap plug. One thing Jack did mention in there is he mentioned the, the food in the supply closet, Doug. And i got to ask you, i I got to I gotta. I got to bring this outside of sports for a minute. It's something I wanted to bring up because I know next week we have a special show and I won't get to do it. And it's almost Halloween and I'm excited because I was in CVS today. Uh, you and Halloween, dude. I was, I was in CVS today getting um, the Advil and Orgel I've needed to survive this podcast thanks to my dentist appointment yesterday. And, and it's Halloween mania in there. There's candy everywhere, pumpkins, witches, kids running around with stuffed animals. And, and I feel like I'm at a weird time in my life to enjoy Halloween. Dude, that makes two of us because, well, first of all, any other fans of the Yes Man sick of hearing about Lou's dentist appointment yet, or is that is that Ooh. just me? Come well, on, you're here. do we need the play-by-play of your of your? Nobody wants to hear about teeth. My tooth hurts, oh. and it, the candy's going to make it worse okay. in a couple weeks. And but, so back to Halloween. Yeah, so I feel like I'm at a weird time in my life because so when I, you're dude. when you're a kid, from the time you're a baby and you're stuffed into a pumpkin or some kind oh of oh my costume, god, you were stuffed into a pumpkin. You know, I. No, 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 Don't backtrack. Okay, I was stuffed in a pumpkin in a lot of lockers when I was a kid. Oh, my God. No, you were, as a child, as a baby, did your parents put you in a pumpkin? Yeah, they used me as a human jack-o'-lantern to scare trick-or-treaters. No. But from the time you're a baby until the time you're, like, 12, you know, it's an opportunity to go go nuts with your friends, get candy, you know, just go on a crazy sugar high. And then once you're an adolescent, it's kind of like, okay, it's not quite as great, but you still get free candy and, you know, you kind of cause some mischief, hopefully nothing too bad. But, you know, you kind of have that vibe. And then you get to college and into, like, your early 20s, and it's kind of one of those holidays where it's like, let's all get dressed up as something and be stupid and and or party and or do whatever. And it's like, okay, you know, you're dressed as, like, a crazy pirate and, you know, the girls are somewhat scantily clad sometimes and everybody has a good time. Once you hit that age of, like, I guess you're there now, to till the time you have kids, it's like, eh. You feel yeah, creepy I, being that guy handing out candy at the door, but you also feel creepy being that guy going to the bar on Halloween, like, hey, I'm dressed as a pirate. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to dress up as anything this year. And for anybody that's, you know, happens to live in the in the tri-state area that was hoping to see me, like, dressed as a kitty cat on their front porch, that I'm just going to have to ruin your dreams there, I... I don't know whether to buy candy and give it to children. I don't know if kids are going to come to my house, but it is. It's this weird, like, limbo period where it's like, I used to be so excited by this holiday. I remember being so bummed out in middle school when it would come on, like, a Tuesday and I had a paper due Wednesday. Just heartless professors giving me just The papers. November 1st due date was evil. Like, yeah, have fun being a student for Halloween. I was like, <laughs> come on. Like, do you really? You're going to do that to me? Yeah, because then, you know, you feel like at this age, too, you kind of half-heart those, those costumes. Like, I mean, obviously, we work for the Yes Network. I have some Yankees, you know, jerseys, hats kind of thing in my closet. I play softball. I have baseball pants in my closet. So you kind of throw them on. Like, hey, I'm Derek Jeter. Yay. It's, you kind of feel weird about it. Luckily this year, I guess I I have I play fall softball and I have an eight fifteen game on Halloween, so the trick or treaters are kind of out of luck in my neighborhood. But are you going to be one of those stupid people that puts the uh, only grab one? Oh, the take baskets? one bowl. Yeah, we AKA, would take one. All right. AKA to a child heaven. AKA dump the bowl in your bag and run. I used to see those and just be like. <gasps> 
I just I just run up to the front door and just scoop as much as possible. Little kids will look at me like it, it says only take one. Like, like yeah, because you know yeah, if they tell wanted... that to me. Tell that to me in December when I'm still eating candy and you're all out. Yeah, if they only wanted us to take the one, way, maybe they'd be deep, home. I had a deep voice as a child. I had a very deep voice. My my apartment smelled of rich mahogany once again. Anyway, uh, let's get back on to sports before we wrap this up. We're running out of time. We have to do our weekly NFL segment. I have to say, last week, after all that conjecture, Doug, I went Green Bay, and I survived. Uh, yeah, you did. You did, barely. No, not barely, though. <laughs> no, not barely. Possibly a little bit San more barely Diego. than Kansas City. I went San Diego, and I I felt good about it just because San Diego went out to an early lead. But then I looked at the, the picks this week, and I was one of only two people to pick San Diego. So clearly people thought, everybody thought that was going to be a trap game like you said it would be. But so nobody picked it, but actually only two people well, ended up. Picking I guess it. theoretically it would have been a trap game if it wasn't for the fact that Jacksonville was awful. It turned so out. It turned really out to be. It turned out that uh, Green Bay was kind of the trap game. If they had lost, I think there would only be four people left. Right. And I'd, I would have been one of them. And yeah, and the people, other, I think would, the would other people, two picked the Giants that would, didn't pick San Diego. Would people have called me a genius? Yes. But the, a, would they I, have called you the greenius, like the Daily News called Rex Ryan? But am okay. I a genius, Lou? I don't know. It's it's ninety percent yes. inspiration and ninety percent perspiration. Just okay, ask Yogi so Berra. I already made my pick. I am always very quick to make my pick. I have no idea what games are on this week because I know there's like six teams that have a buy for the first time. All I know is that San Fran's playing Jacksonville in London, and I already took the Niners, so I can't really do that. Well, so the thing about making these picks now and telling them to you, everybody, to you, Joe, listener, is that. We, if you know survivor leagues and how they work, the best teams are kind of taken by now. Like I've picked Denver, I've picked Seattle, I've picked San Francisco to win. Right. So I can't pick them now. So the best team that I haven't used yet is New Orleans, and they're playing Buffalo at home. That's a lock. Yeah, that seems like it should be a lock with so Seth, that's, that's Seth Lewis pick. behind center. I mean, he has led the team to a couple of big, well, one big win and, and that overtime loss to Cincinnati, but. Uh, it's yeah, it's not going to be close. Even if Jimmy Graham is out, I think New Orleans is going to throttle them in that game. There are a bunch of games I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole, as there always are. I, I think New England's a decent pick at home against Miami. They'll be coming off um, everything uh, pretty angry against the Jets last weekend. They'll be they'll be pretty pissed about that loss. I I also do think that they'll find a new way to cheat this week. Um, last week they got caught. A few years back they got caught as well. Yeah, it's you know it's what they do. So the, this week isn't full of leftovers. So most of your your best teams are playing really bad teams, which means most of those games you have already you know used your pick. Yeah, I'm I'm debating doing something I don't like to do, especially the last couple of years because they've been one of those teams that you kind of don't know what you're getting out of them. I was kind of debating going with the Eagles. I mean, and really the only reason I say that is because Vic is allegedly coming back. They beat the Giants three weeks ago in the Meadowlands, and they're playing at home. You sandbagging son of a gun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even like a brag, like, I'm going to pick the Eagles to beat your Giants kind of thing. It's like, do I, is this the week where I give it a whirl? I am or do so, I go with a no, safe pick? As your friend, as your co-host, and as a Giants fan, I would be thrilled if you did that. Here's why. One, well, there's really only one, <laughs> there's really only one reason, because I'm not sure you're right. If the Giants somehow do pull off the win, not only are you out of the league that I happen to be trying to win as well, right. but my Giants will have proven you wrong and beaten your Eagles. 
So that would overall, that's just a good thing. It's, for it's me. a win-win Sunday for you. Yeah. And, but if and, and if the Giants lose, I can pull up. Well, actually, this is the reality. I'd be like, well, what do you expect? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're one and seven yeah. now. Okay, great. Um, I don't know. I I, I really got to look at it. And chances are, this is going to be one of those weeks where it's you know Saturday at noon, and I'm like, you know what? I just got to make this pick, or else I'm going to overthink it. I don't. I don't. I don't want to do that. But. Here's one question I do have for you. If we're the last two people left in that survivor pool, <laughs> do you say, no, may the best man win, or are you like, I'll take half that uh, prize and uh, let's call it a day? Well, it's an impossible question to answer because in this situation, are you talking about like just me and you left? Like if this is me and well, Joe Schmo, well, left. if it's me, if it's me and you left, I mean, that, that changes things. But I just mean, depending on, does it depend on who it is? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So if it's me, so I'm just going to say name. So theoretically, if it's me, you might say, okay, let's split it because we're friends. Right. We know we're going to go. Right. You know, Although if I it's will... tickets to a game, say, you know, we know we're going to go to the game together. Let's enjoy it. Here's or... what I will say: for the good of the podcast, I probably, I think, we would agree to pick and compete because that would that would allow our Twitter followers and you know other people that follow our podcast to kind of be like, oh, I wonder who's who they're going to pick, who's going to win. At, at that point, we'd be choosing against probably really bad teams, and it would be kind of funny. Hmm, did but we choose the Redskins we, or the Cowboys? If we didn't host a podcast together, yes, I would say let's split it because even if I beat you, I would be like, oh, that's too bad. You know, you don't want to beat Lou. If I was facing a stranger, no, no, take no prisoners, you go after that prize. You don't score until you score, Ostrager. Another thing that's just right over my head, Lou, but here's what I'll say. Certain times, you just have to play to win. And you you throw fun out the window. You throw feelings and all that stuff out the window, and you play to win. Hopefully, at the end of this week, come Tuesday, come next week, when we record next week's Yes Men, both of us are still relevant in the topic of, is somebody going to win the the Survivor Pool? Or relevant at all. I hope we're still just relevant. relevant at all. Speaking of relevant, next week we're going to get off the usual beaten topic of baseball and wacky things that happen in the lives of myself and Doug Williams, and we're going to do a little bit of a Nets preview. The, this is uh, going to be really fun. It I'm is going to be really fun. It. The Brooklyn Nets begin their 2013-14 season in Cleveland next Wednesday, October 30th. Home opener is Friday, the first against the Miami Heat. That should be a really, uh, really early, really good test to see how well the Nets have gelled because you know Miami is coming in guns a blazing. And they want to beat the Heat so badly, I guarantee you. I mean, they're the defending champs back to back years. Mm-hmm. And NBA uh, GMs picked in the three peat. Right. You so. have the KG and uh, LeBron rivalry right now. This is a huge game. So mm-hmm. we're going to give you a preview next week. We hope to have some guests on as well just to talk Nets basketball. Um, we'll do some usual things like we usually do, like our football preview, et cetera. But, you know, this is a, a Nets-heavy podcast because this is a really exciting team. And, and we, you know, you listeners really need to realize that. We, you know, we are part of it because we yep. cover the Nets. So. This is what we do now that the Yankees are over right, for the, so. to answer that question. Like, mm-hmm. this is what we do. This is It's Nets time now, It's and it's go time. Tune in to Yes, listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. and you'll learn a and, lot about this team. You know, we've got Ian Eagle, who's now in his 20th year. There's a little spoiler alert. We, we did a little season preview with Ian earlier this week on the dot-com. This is his 20th year covering the Nets. You know, first from WFAN play-by-play guy all the way through the cable networks and now to Yes. And he's been there for He's been there for both finals runs with Jason Kidd. He's going to be there for the first game of the Jason Kidd era. He's been there when there were nobody in the stands, really. I mean, when the team was at the bottom of the barrel not too long ago and, and even in the, the mid to late 90s. 
So we're going to have that for you next Wednesday. It'll be a special fun. It'll be a little bit shorter episode of the S-Men than you're used to, but, uh, you know, we don't want to... Uh, we don't want to spoil your your listening pleasure because we're hoping on Friday we'll have a little bit of a special, possibly a little video from Barclays Center. We're working out the logistics on that one. But we'll, we will be at Barclays Center live on Friday. Uh, Doug and I will be there for the game, and we hope to bring you a little bit of the – a little bit of the yes men from inside the arena. That yeah, day. we hope you can see our pretty faces, and um, we also for iTunes it'll be it'll be both an audio and a video podcast. We're hoping uh, that's the plan. Uh, we're still ironing out the details, but we want to give you the experience of being at Barclays Center the day of a big game like November first against the Heat. That's right, and uh, so. If you want to find out whether or not we're going to be successful in that endeavor, you're going to have to tune in to next week's Nets preview. You're going to have to check out the website on Friday. And while you're at it, you know, you might as well just check out the website every day because you got a lot of help, assignments. That, that would help us out, so we appreciate that. You have a lot of work to do. Until it is time for the Nets preview, I, as always, am Lou DiPietro. To my left, possibly to my right someday, but currently to my left, is Doug Williams. We are the Yes Men, and we will see you next time. Peace.